Hello everyone and welcome to Changes with me, Annie McManus. This is a place where we discuss all things change, how to deal with it, how to process it, how to move through it, how to affect it. Well, how are you all this week? Um, hope you're keeping well. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. I am going through a little bit of change actually last week. It was quite a shift in my personal life because my two kids went back to school. Uh, my youngest kid is in preschool now, so he kind of wore uniform for the first time and went to school with his big brother in the nursery section of it. And I had been planning for this day for so long of all the nice things I was going to do for myself. You know, I've had the kids every day, all day for six months. So it was like, whoa, imagine having like six hours all to myself. I tell you what, it took a while to get used to. I was totally lost on the first day, wandering around, quite overwhelmed by how quiet it was, the lack of chaos, the lack of noise, all this new space to fill. And uh, it took a few days to get used to it. And I, by the midweek, kind of made the decision that I was going to really try and not fill this space, like not rush to make lists and have meetings and just to kind of sit and exist in the space and enjoy feeling this time around me that is not stretched, you know, that is kind of not closing in on me, always trying to finish something, always on to the next thing, just kind of sitting and enjoying being in the present for the sake of being in the present. I was discussing it with my friend Tiga, who has been on this podcast previously, and uh, he he was saying that he's a football freak. He was saying that, you know, it takes a skill to be able to make space and find space in your life. You know, in football, the best players are the ones that can find space on the pitch and, you know, get, get the ball passed into that space, see the space identify the space and it's true for life as well it's it's not something you should assume this idea of just having space when you want it and my goal in terms of how I can change my life just that little bit is to actively seek out space and actively exist in it without trying to fill it up So there you go. That's my little goal for this week. Okay, let's talk podcast. This is all about change, this podcast, as you know. And last week, we got a very candid account of the type of change that can kind of wallop you sideways and turn your world upside down from Ramesh Ranganathan when he talked about his father losing all his money and going to prison and having an affair in the space of six months when Ramesh was in his early teens. He had to change schools, he had to change home, his whole family unit was compromised. Such an extreme change that then informed his entire outlook on, on, on adulthood. This week's change is something that is the opposite of that. So it's something that our guest wanted to happen, willed to happen, did affirmations to make happen, spent every week for years trying to make happen. It's also, you know, on the outside, an extremely positive change, a change that people dream about every night. My guest today won the lottery. Her name is Susan Herdman. In January 2010, she won almost £1.2 million. The odds of winning were 14 million to one. Before winning, she had some difficult changes in her life. And sometimes she didn't feel she could afford to put the heating on. Money was a problem, as you will hear. She wrote an affirmation on Facebook that one day she would win the lottery. She truly believed it. And she's going to talk us through the whole story now. 
If you've ever been curious about how winning the lottery can affect a person, how it can change your life, all the kind of nitty gritty details of what happens when you win the lottery, then listen on and enjoy. Can money buy happiness? Susan Herdman will tell us. Enter the podcast, Susan. So this, these conversations are all about change. I know that you've experienced some some extreme change in your life. And we're going to start at the start. So you had a happy childhood, right? Yes, I had a, an absolutely as near perfect a childhood as I could. Two loving parents, a best friend living next door, two older sisters that I fought with, but we loved each other. And mm. it was just lovely. I lived in a little rural town in Herefordshire. We just had a great time. We'd get home from school, jump on our push bikes, play mud pies, float down a river on an inner tube. It was just (laughs) innocent and it was good. I felt very safe, secure and loved. Amazing. I I want to have that childhood. It sounds absolutely idyllic. (laughs) Um, And then when you were a teenager, something happened a little bit to, to compromise that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, my father sort of, always said to me oh you're going to be Miss World when you grow up and we do believe what our parents tell us don't we and yeah it was fine and then I hit my teenage years and got really bad acne which oh just it's devastating it comes at a time that you just don't want it you Mm. it it just virtually um ruins your life to all intents and purposes it's not pleasant you know it's it's horrible you get taken the mick out of and not bullied so much but sort of put down and and it's suddenly a realization that what you actually saw in the mirror is not what other people see and and it really knocks you for six it's horrible and and how did it affect you then throughout your teens i was i always came across as confident probably a bit gobby probably making up for the fact that I had this terrible inferiority complex that I felt everyone was looking at me and judging my skin. I would, if I met people in the street in daylight, I would really be terrified of looking at them. I'd come across quite rude because I'd I'd be like this all the time, not wanting them to look at my face. I hated it, hated looking in the mirror. All my friends were beautiful And I was the ugly duckling. Uh, We'd go to the village dances and I knew that it it was like the Cinderella story, only I was the ugly Cinderella. I knew that sort of 12 o'clock or one o'clock, whatever it was going to be, the lights were going to come on to sort of say that's the end of the dance. Well, that's when all the couples got together and did their slow dance. But I was literally clock watching and knew that I had to get outside before those lights came on because I didn't want anybody to see me with lights on. And so never, ever did I get the slow dance, even if a lad would have wanted it, it would never have happened. Mm. So, yeah, it's quite it is a difficult it was a difficult time. And did it change what you wanted from your life? I kind of always, I've always been a right get up and go and and I have quite succeeded at sort of things I've done. For all the sort of trouble I had with my skin, I still like to sort of be a performer. But obviously the the skin was a massive issue for me. It was, it was just horrible. I mean, incredibly, I chose a career in hairdressing 
where I had to look in a mirror all day long, but I never, I, I just don't like looking at myself. Even to this day, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like what I see. And that's a horrible thing. It's horrible. Yeah. Did you aspire then to kind of, yeah, what were your aspirations? You said you became a, a, a hairdresser. Did you aspire to having a nice car, a nice house? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a hard worker, always. I've always had jobs from from school. I mean, I worked on a farm where we I would go and ride out horses, muck out stables, really hard work. And that was like from the age of 12. I got a job in a garden centre, sort of putting little plants in every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, I just always worked, always, always worked. That's another thing that's been instilled from my parents. You don't get into right. debt if you want something, you work hard for it. No one gives you a life. You have to work for it in an honest way. How was life financially for you when you were still with your parents? Was money a concern for you ever? Not particularly. No, my dad is an incredible hard worker. He's actually 78 and he's still working. I mean, he's wow. He's 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 a total inspiration. He's the greatest man I've ever known. He's mm. he's kind, caring, hard working. He's just an English gentleman that's adorable. Mm. And your dad, your your dad played the lottery, right? Yes, yes. My father, when it first started, he got. To, he's really not technical. They don't have internet. They don't have mobile phones. Yeah. And so he just picked two lines and used to give me the money and say, "Put it on on a Saturday night." So that's what I did for him. Put it on for twelve months. Then uh-huh. he said to me, "I'm not wasting any more money on this. I haven't won anything." So I'm not playing anymore. So that's when I took over his numbers because I sort of just did random numbers and didn't have any that I particularly knew. But I got to know his numbers. So I thought, well, I'll just continue with his then. And that, that's And when was that? How, how long were you doing the lottery for? So the lottery started in 1994, right? Right. So, yes, yeah, started it from 1994. As soon as it started that week and played it all the way through. Yeah. You wrote an affirmation on Facebook that you would win the lottery. So tell me about this. What made you know that that I was going knew, to happen in your I life? I knew that I was going to win the lottery. I knew at some point in my How, life. Susan, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with this. I want to know. It's, um, it's like an inner belief, like an absolute str- inner belief that I was going to win that lottery. And I did never doubt it. I never used to, when I was doing my client's hair, I never used to say, um, if I win the lottery, it was when I win the lottery. And it was going to happen. There and was, was no there doubt. anything, did anything happen? Was there anything in your life that, that kind of um, made you sure, like that, that kind of cemented this, this knowledge? Or was it just a hunch? Just an absolute hunch, an inner belief Got it. that it was going to happen. Yeah. So what was life like for you up to that point? You know, wh- kind of give us a picture because one of your biggest adult changes, something happened before the win, right? That was that was not easy for yeah, you. Yeah, um, no, I I got married at the age of 22. I had my son at the age of 24. Right. And everything was fine. We lived on a rural farm in Wales and things were going really good. My son got to 12 years old and the marriage broke down. 
So that was a tough time, really, really tough time. I went into a rented house with my son so as he could continue at the school because a marriage breakup is hard enough for a child. I mean, it's devastating when you have to tell your 12-year-old that mum and dad are not going to be together anymore. Mm. Um, You kind of marry for life. I thought I was getting married for life. It was nobody's fault, really. I mean... You know, he. I still have a lot of love for him. He's a he's a kind man. Mm. He, we just had different paths in life. Mm. So I, I I was went into a little tiny rented house with my son uh, because I wanted him to stay at his local school. But that then was probably the loneliest years of my life. I would say because I was working really hard. I was very aware that it was down to me to keep the two of us and pay all the bills. The salon was just busy, non-stop busy. It was, it kind of dictated my whole life. I was working to an appointment book, to a telephone that never stopped ringing. I then had still had all the housework and everything to do when I got home. Um, And I was just sort of waiting for my son to finish school so I could move back over the border to the hometown I grew up in, Mm -hmm. which was nearer to my hair salon and also very close to all my family. So those years in that rented house were pretty low, pretty sad. And how many years were they? I was there for four years. Okay, yeah. Yeah, four years. Yeah. So so money was a constant struggle then. How how much of a problem did it become financially at that time? Well, because of the upbringing I'd had from my parents, you didn't get into debt and that, you know, that was as simple as that. I didn't have surplus money. I had enough for us to live on and I had to be careful when I put the heating on. Um, You know, I couldn't just go out and buy anything that I wanted. My son, I tried to make sure he didn't go without without sort of spoiling him and because I wanted him to have the same values that my sisters and I had had growing up. Mm. So money, it was, I was never overdrawn or in debt, Mm. but I had enough to sort of get by. Okay, well, let's get to this lottery win then. So talk me through the lead up to it. Okay. What do you remember about everything leading up to it? Right, well, my son had actually finished school. So I was now in a position to get a mortgage um, and buy my first house as a single parent. Was it hard for you to get a mortgage or was that okay? It it was hard to get a mortgage. I'll be honest with you, I still don't really know how I got that mortgage. I got it through a broker I don't know how I got it. I got it for 25 Mm. years interest only. So at the age of 40. So I'm thinking, as I moved in, I'm thinking, what have you done? What have you done? You you now have Mm. a mortgage as a single parent for 25 years. And after that, you're still going to owe what you've originally borrowed. So that was crazy. Um, Now we moved in in the November. So I paid my first mortgage payment in December and then the snow came January it snowed and snowed and snowed well I had a five mile journey to my salon when I got there 
clients had cancelled because they all lived in rural locations. They couldn't get to me. So, and I, I was self-employed. If I didn't cut hair, I didn't get any money. So that was a really tough time. Then uh, one of my clients, a gorgeous lady, she did does tarot card readings as a bit of fun. So my friend and I arranged to go and see her this um, Wednesday night, I believe it was. Anyway, we got there and we had a couple of glasses of wine. And uh, she always says, I am not a fortune teller. I'm not psychic. You are picking the cards that you want. And then I am just telling you what each card means. So, you know, you are you are telling me. I'm not telling you. Yeah. She yeah. got the cards, told me to pick whatever it mm. was, picked them all. And she turned the first one over and went, oh, wow. The next one, wow. And she went on and on and she went, well, I've never seen anything like this in my life. So she sat back in her chair and she went, well, you best get a lottery ticket because it looks to me like you're going to win the lottery. Um, so we just sort of laughed about it and said, right, OK. And she went, no, really. She said, I, I can't really tell you anything else. <laughs> Change. Brilliant. Everything. that It's just amazing. The world is your oyster. And as it happened, she was booked in to get a haircut on the next night, the Thursday night. And she came in and said, oh, are you OK? And I went, oh, don't. I said, clients have cancelled. The snow won't go. And, you know, I've got a mortgage to pay. And, and her words were, well, I don't know what you're worried about because you're going to win the lottery. And that that Saturday night, I won the lottery. So, <laughs> <gasps> <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a strange time. It was really strange. Tell me about the day and the buying of the ticket, and all of that. I want to know the details. Okay, well, let, let me just tell you first that the friend that came with me to the uh, tarot card reading, she still says, how mad was I? Why didn't I buy the same numbers as you? So anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah, bless true. her. Um, so that day, I was actually supposed to be going to the autosport show at the NEC that weekend, but I'd got... I was always having sinus infections and I felt really poorly again. So I didn't go to the autosport show. So I got home, but went to my little supermarket, got my lottery ticket, got home. And, and were you conscious of your tarot card reading friend? Like, had were you, it was a bit more heightened this time, knowing what had happened in the lead up? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I knew it was coming, but it, I was getting a bit impatient as to when. <laughs> The lottery had been going quite a few years at this point. So um, I, 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 my friends were actually messaging me saying, there's a karaoke up at the, the Lamb, in, which is a pub in town. Are you going to come? And I was messaging them all saying, no, I've got sinus infection. I feel terrible. I'm not coming. So that was that. So anyway, I remember cooking tea and hearing Dale Winton's voice in the next room. And he always did the show in it to win it, yeah. which I, I love quiz shows. So I thought, oh, so I ran through and I pressed pause without really looking at the screen. So I had no idea what I'd pause, but I just pressed pause. I went back into the kitchen, put my spaghetti carbonara on my plate and I went through to the front room to eat it on my lap. And as I looked up, the numbers were frozen on the screen. And I looked and thought, oh, I've definitely got a couple I think I might have three or four there. I'll check my ticket. So I put my tea down, went and got my ticket. And I literally, 
like kept looking and I, I just thought five no there is six there is six numbers so I got right up close to the screen and I checked it four or five times and, and then I started shaking and and it was a I think it was a seven and a half million rollover that night so I started to shake and then I thought no hang on a minute do not get excited because I guarantee this will be the first night ever that they're going to have like 300,000 people have all got the same six yeah. numbers. So I, I I then had to ring the number on the back of the ticket. So I misdialed about 20 times. I ended up climbing onto the worktop in the kitchen to get under the spotlight so I could get the number right. And then um, a lady answered and I said, I think I've won the lottery. And so I think she said, read out the barcode. It's all a bit of a blur. Okay. And then she said to me, right, um, keep the ticket, put your name and address on the ticket, keep it safe um, and write down this password because tomorrow morning somebody's going to ring you from the lottery and they will say that password and then you'll know that they are legit. Right, okay. So I quickly put my name, shaking like this, wrote my name on the ticket and put it inside my bra. Yeah. It's safer in my bra. I couldn't eat anything. And it, it was still relatively early. So I thought, well, what am I going to do now? I was home alone. You know, what? I'm so did you know out. how much you'd won then? Like, no. Was it confirmed no, that you had won? No, no, <gasps> nothing. I had the six numbers. I knew I'd got the six numbers. Um, and I kept looking at, at, oh, I did, sorry, I did ask the lady from the lottery, how much do you think I've won? And she said, we won't be able to tell you that until about 10 o'clock tonight. So I got my calculator out and I was literally doing, I didn't even know how to put in 7.5 million. And I was dividing it by 300,000. And so all I kept thinking was, okay, look, if you could get 100,000, that's going to be pretty awesome. If you could get 10,000, there's nothing wrong with that, you know. So I was sort of telling myself this. Yeah. So anyway, I then decided I'm going to go to the karaoke. I can't stay home all night. It's going to be such a long night. So I still had my ticket inside my bra and I set off up to the karaoke and never told a soul, not a single person. So I went to the karaoke and did not tell a single person. I was there with all my friends and every now and again, I'd go into the ladies, lock the door and literally go... (sighs) Just sort of do that and then go back out again. I sang, I had a few drinks. and I, I really want to know what you sang. I like the idea of you singing like, you know, money, money, money or something. <laughs> well, funnily enough, I was looking through the through the karaoke list of who wants to be a millionaire or stuff like that. But I, no, I didn't. I, I don't even know. I probably would have sang the usual karaoke very badly, I might add. I will survive yeah. a bit of grease, you know. Yeah, yeah. Typical karaoke. Yeah. Clear so the room. So you were going to the toilet and you were taking out the ticket and just making sure that it was yes. still real. Yes, yes. Kept tucking it back in. and Yeah. Um, and then I think I got home at about midnight and I went onto my laptop and I saw that five people had won it and it was just short of 1.2 million. Well, that was just, I mean, what do you do? <laughs> Oh, it was, it was, from that second, there was no hysterics. There was no running around the room screaming. There was just this big, oh, thank 
God, thank you. Just relief, absolute relief that, you know, I, if I was careful, I'd be okay financially for the rest of my life. Just relief, just absolute. I wouldn't have to just constantly, constantly be battling against the clock, listening to the phone appointments. Relief, just absolute relief. Yeah. <laughs> So how did you sleep that night? Not very good. Not not very good at all. And I remember I remember waking up in the morning and thinking, oh no, I dreamt it. It was a dream. And then sort of coming to and going, no, no, I did I didn't dream it, and then checked for the ticket and and then like this, oh God, this just absolute and and then did you get the call in the morning with the password and, and then I did the confirmation? I did but still no confirmation because um it all has to be done official but you know I t had to tell them where I bought the ticket and roughly what time and then they said that the lottery would be coming to my house a representative from the lottery would be coming to my house they they asked me who I banked with they like us to have a private bank account because if you put all that money in your sort of typical high street current account you get inundated with offers of investments. So so they said they would bring a sort of private banker. He would come about an hour or so after to sort out all the finances. I was still home alone. I hadn't told anyone. I'm still in the house all on my own. And my parents were coming down for lunch. So I phoned my mother at about eight o'clock in the morning and I said, what time do you think you're coming down? And she said, well, at lunchtime, it's only eight o'clock. And I just said, okay. I said, well, well don't be too long, you know, because it's a bit lonely. Well, it's only eight o'clock. She said, we'll be there. So it got to nine o'clock and I phoned her again. And um, she said, I said, have you not left yet? She said, it's nine o'clock in the morning. What time are you doing lunch? I said, oh, fine. Don't worry. I'm just a bit lonely. That's all. So anyway, unbeknown to me, she said to my dad, look, we're going to have to go. There's something wrong with her. She's she's not right. Let's just go. So I think they did actually get to me for about quarter past 10. And my mother walked into the house and I said, where's dad? Oh, he's just gone to get some petrol. And I just went, oh, for goodness sake. And she said, what is wrong with you today? I said, nothing, nothing. Well, I'd got the numbers frozen on the screen in, in the lounge. We were in the kitchen. So my dad came in and I said, right, I need you both to sit down. So they both sat down and um, I said, something happened to me last night that's going to be pretty life changing. And they both sort of stared at me. Um, my dad got a bit worried and my mum said, what, what's happened? And I said, I won the lottery. And at that point, I burst into floods of tears and oh, my mum, her mouth fell open and she's never speechless. And my dad literally jumped up and grabbed me and said, about bloody time. Sorry for swearing, but that's what my dad said. So, um, so yeah, it was, they were the first two people that I told. So it was pretty special wow. time. And you won with your dad's number. Yes, I did. Yes. But he was absolutely, he's such a sweet man. There was never any... He never 
expected any of the winnings. He never asked for any. He mm. just was so happy, genuinely happy. So that was 10 years ago. Yes. Can you talk me through like what your life is like now? Oh, very, very, very different. Um, I mean, Andrew and I, our relationship was going along really good anyway. We were commuting to see each other. We got on really, really well. And the plan was that I would have to come to live in North Yorkshire if our relationship was going to go anywhere because he had the family farm. So he couldn't up and leave here. So I would have had to sort of give up my salon and then come up here and get a job. Well, obviously, then winning the lottery, it meant that having to get a job was not top of my my priority. But but it's really strange. I mean, you suddenly go from sort of turning your heating down because you're worried about what the gas bill's going to be to, well, actually, let's have the heating up a bit because we can afford to pay the bill now, to having all this money in the bank. And it's actually quite terrifying. It, it's... Your life, your life has changed unbelievably. And so, so I didn't want, at that point, the rest of my life to change. My hair salon had been my rock. It had seen me through all my bad times. When I was living the lonely, lonely life, the right. salon was what kept me going. I didn't want to lose that. It was, it was my anchor in life, and I didn't want to give that up. So I carried on working. Obviously, I no longer had a mortgage, so that was a massive weight off my shoulders Andrew and I bought a very large motorhome it's a lorry because we're both massive into motorsport so you could actually put a car in the back of it and and it was a dream of mine I'd drive up the motorway see them and think oh if ever I win the lottery when I win the lottery I'm going to buy one of those um so we we did buy one well, Andrew was also doing his motorbikes, so he'd arranged to go to a motorbike event in Austria in the May, and he was going with a couple of mates, and I couldn't go because I had my hair salon, and I had clients booked in. I could not let those clients down. Off he went in our new race truck without me, and I was at work, and then in the July, I got to work early in the morning, and I read an article in a magazine about... It was about a late, an English lady that was married to a Spanish guy. Uh, they lived in Spain and she had an idyllic life. She taught in a school, taught English in a school. They had a little girl that they would um, take down to the beach every afternoon. And it was a really nice life. And then she was struck down with a debilitating illness. Something like motor neurons where she ended up um, just lay in a bed her brain and her mind were still active but it took her whole body and and then she died and it was just like a light bulb in my head I suddenly thought I'm 40 what am I doing what are you doing you've been given this gift of lottery money you can travel the world if you want to and yet this salon is still dictating your life you you know and I felt that I was cheating my granddad my dad the dream I'd had to win it what was the point of winning it if you were not going to change your life so I rang the local paper advertised my hair salon it sold four days later I did my last day on the 31st of July and I had no regrets there was loads of tears from clients they all wished me well 
And then literally the following week I woke up and, and for the first time I actually enjoyed my little house that I'd bought and I spent the sort of from the August until the following March commuting up to North Yorkshire, spending a week up here, spending two weeks up here just to sort of see if I liked it and I, and I loved it. So in the March I decided to make the move permanent up here. We've continued to do our car racing with good results, mixed results. Uh, we, we do love our motorsport. Andrew and I have had um, the luxury of doing some absolutely incredible holidays, bucket list stuff. You know, I've kept my house down south, which I've rented out ever since. I bought some property in York that I rented out to get my own money. I've just recently bought a property that I'm doing my first renovation, which is not going to be a success wow. because I can't detach myself from a nice kitchen to just a, it's, it's a diff, difficult one. Uh, yesterday morning, I was up at 4.40. We loaded pigs. So you live on a pig farm now, right? I live on a pig farm. Yes. Wow. Yes. A slightly different hairdressing, but it's, it's a, it's a hard life, but it's, yeah. it's, it's a good life. Yeah. I think once you've been a worker, I don't think you're ever not going to work. I think you need a purpose to get up. Yeah. You know, what What would you do all day if you didn't work? Yeah. You can't have, you know, I, I won nearly 1.2 million. It's a lovely, lovely amount of money, but it's not movie star money. You know, I can't live like a like a celebrity for the rest of my life, traveling here, there and everywhere without replenishing it. Mm. You know, I've, I have to think of my son's future as well, you know. So, I mean, it's, it sounds that you have been so sensible with your money and, and kind of, measured with with how you've how you've dealt with it do you think that's because of your past and how you've been brought up yes a million percent you know my like I said my parents would instill it into me that you you work for what you want you if you can't afford it you know like when we got married we bought yeah. secondhand furniture it's it's just how we were brought up. But my biggest thing, my biggest, biggest thing was, yes, like you, I'm very aware that a lot of lottery winners lose it all in quite a short space of time. My one thing I kept telling myself was to win it and lose it would be worse than never winning it. So so I was, yeah, I was aware that I had to, I had to look after it. I, don't get me wrong, it's there to enjoy. And we because of it we've had some really good holidays but through buying property and investing I don't really like to say say it like this but I still more or less have what I've won even with mm. 10 years later with doing all the fun stuff. How has it been with your relationships and with your friends? I mean it sounds like you had a really good support network of friends before you won. Did any of that change for you after? No no um I'm very, very lucky to have amazing friends, absolutely amazing right. friends. Uh, uh, people won't know this, but when you win the lottery, if you go public, you get invited to lottery functions and parties where we're like a huge family of winners, which is lovely because we all have um, a story to tell and we can talk to each other because we all know what you're going through. So... You know, I get to know that there has been an awful lot of family upset in a lot of lottery winners' lives because families perhaps feel they should be given some more, not happy with what they are given. 
my family, you know, I yes, I've tr- I've got two sisters. Both sisters have been treated the same, you know, holiday car. You know, I, I have I've my parents. I would just give them the world. They they don't really want for anything. They've got a beautiful little bungalow that they wouldn't change for the world. So you know that. And like I said, my dad's been yeah. a hard worker all his life. That. Yeah, so no, I have, I've, my friends have been fantastic. We walk in a pub, they buy around, I buy around. It's never, mm. never expected that, and, I, and they don't see me. I mean, I don't, I'm not a designer girl. I still shop in, yeah. you know where, that Armani shop that has a P at the front <laughs> of it. And I'm not a first class flight girl. I would rather sort of spend the extra money going to see more things when I'm there than staying in luxury hotels or yeah just don't waste it I can imagine a lot of people think that if you've won the lottery you're made but is there anything in your life that you still want to change my skin hate my skin absolutely hate it still at um, the age of yes yeah 51, I don't... you're 51 right yeah uh 52 now 52 yeah Susan, I mean you look I've got... amazing for 52 well honestly. I've got reading glasses which I'm not wearing so I actually can't see myself on the screen I all I see is a blur and that's how I like it I don't want to see myself I don't um no I don't I don't I hate what I see End of. So have you tried to do anything with regards to your skin since the lottery? Everything. Everything you can think of. Okay. I've tried I tried before the lottery and after the lottery. I've had um you name it, every type of therapy, whatever, everything going. I, I've even had little bits of fat removed from my back and injected into my face to try and get rid of the scars. I've had laser treatment, I've had uh, radiotherapy I've had pixel laser I've had chemical peels everything you name it I've had it and nothing really I mean I, a lot of people say I don't even notice it I don't you I can't even see it and and I'm you know Andrew worships the ground I walk on he tells me constantly oh you're so gorgeous you look lovely it doesn't matter does it it doesn't matter how many times the one person that I can remember my sister telling me that her neighbour said, what happened to your sister's face? Was she in a car crash? I've remembered that. I have remembered that for, forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, I've never remembered when someone says, oh, you look lovely. I don't don't hear it. I hear the negatives. Mm. Mm, Do you know. think you'll ever be able to get over it? No. Mm. No. I hate it. I hate what I see. So it's just learning how to live with it. Yeah. Yeah, trying to make the best of what you've got, I suppose. Mm. Mm. And with regards to the lottery win, has, you know, it seems like a really basic question, but do you think it has brought you happiness? Can money do that in, in the long term? Yes, I do believe, I do believe that money can buy you happiness. It can certainly buy you a better class of misery. Um, it's, um, it's, I think for a lot of people out there, a lot of families and a lot of, especially during this awful, awful pandemic and this lockdown, 
a lot of families have really, really struggled uh, with finances. And it's it's the if if you're a family that's happy, but your one worry is money, then when you win the lottery, that has taken away that one worry. So if you're already happy, you're going to be happier because you don't have that worry of the money. If you are already unhappy and miserable with life, the money is not going to change that. Money can't change. The money hasn't changed how I feel about myself, how I feel about my skin. I still hate, I hate looking in a mirror. Money, no money in the world will change that. But the, the it's taken away that stress of, the mortgage for 25 years it and it really has and I, I wish everybody could experience it I really do I wish it's everyone's dream isn't it to win the lottery it is well I would say it's 90% of people's dream to win the lottery and I wish they could and, I, and if they do my one advice is just be sensible don't go crazy just take a bit of time and that that's what Andy who's one of the lottery guys he always says to winners sit down have because actually the day that Andy came to verify my ticket they put it through a scanning machine he walked in the house and I said would you like a tea or a coffee uh, oh yeah I'll have a coffee he said and and then I he came from Cardiff so I said oh, what was the drive up like because we'd still got a bit of snow and and I said oh I, I like your car that you drive is it a nice car and at that point he looked at me and he went you do realise that you could have probably just won the lottery. And I went, well, we don't know yet for sure, do we? He said, I can't believe how calm you are, how normal you are. And, and you know, he tells the winners, sit down for a little while. Don't spend anything. Just kind of let it sink in. And so I feel that yeah. what I did with my salon, just sort of letting, not quitting my job straight away, not thinking, right, let's fly around the world first class. I'm going to take 20 mates with me. Let's spend just take your time because you have a lot of life ahead of you that and if you get to an age where you've spent it all that would probably not be good do you still play the lottery yes constantly constantly yeah (laughs) yeah and funnily enough that I don't think I've met uh, I mean I've met Euro Millions winners that have won tens and tens of millions and they still play we all still play the lottery yeah definitely (laughs) I would never would go cha- I would never go public again. Okay. The, I've had no negativity at all with going public and I think people are genuinely happy for you. I'm not sure that happiness would stretch to a second win. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go public a second time. Thank you so much to Susan Herdman for that. I found it quite profound the beginning and end of of her story talking about this change that happened to her in teenage life, you know, aesthetically and how her opinion of herself totally changed and how she's never been able to get that back. She still has problems looking in the mirror. Money cannot buy self-esteem, no matter how much money that you have. It's very interesting that, and it just goes to show that it's all about being happy in your skin and in yourself. And I wish Susan peace when it comes to that, moving forwards in her life. I'm glad that every other aspect of her life, she's managed to get relief. Thank you for your comments on Ramesh Ranganathan. If you haven't listened yet, I really ask you to, because as I said, his changes are so extreme. He's so qualified to be on this podcast. So many of you commented on how you just didn't know about those changes in his life. You know, he's a very public figure, Ramesh. 
Um, many people have put that they love Ramesh's mum even more now. Nikki said, I loved listening to this so much. It's true that changes in your early life give you the resilience to keep fighting on until you get to where you want to be. Miss Dip Patel on Twitter, listen to this podcast and wow, we'll now go back to the others as this is the first I've listened to. Thank you to Ramesh for his open and honest answers. And Dan Floyd said, brilliant. He spoke so openly about his dad and that gig in Southampton, crying, laughing face. Happiness comes in different forms. Yes, it does. So many lessons from Ramesh and from Zadie Smith. Next week, we have another phenomenal author, Bernadine Evaristo, Man Booker Prize winning, incredible woman. And uh, she is going to tell us some serious changes that happened in her life, how theatre basically changed the course of her whole career, her whole outlook on herself and how a toxic relationship nearly made her lose herself entirely. Don't forget, rate, review and subscribe to Changes. It is all so appreciated and I'll see you next week.